we start today's episode, just to let you know, you can now nominate for the 2025 Northern Power Women Awards. To be in with a chance of celebrating with changemakers, trailblazers and advocates on the 6th of March 2025. Nominate now at wearepower.net. Women podcast for your career and your life, no matter what business you're in. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Northern Power Women podcast. I'm your host, Simone Roche, and this is the final episode of the We Are More season. We have been talking to some of the fantastic winners, commended, and partners of the Northern Power Women Awards this year and catching up on all that has happened since March, which seems to be lots because everyone's so busy and amazing out there. And today I'm delighted to be joined by Crystal Hicks, who's the Chair of Women in Social Housing and the Assistant Director of Customer Service for Your Homes in Newcastle. Crystal is passionate about positive change and social justice as has worked across the public and voluntary community sector, including social housing, homelessness, prevention and the arts and culture, and is totally passionate about partnerships, collaborating changes, something we are also super passionate about. Crystal, welcome, welcome to the podcast. Hello, thank you for having me. Uh, and it was great because we, we had a chat the other week when you were at the, um, the judging as well, and I always love getting the winners back onto the judging process because... I think sometimes you don't quite realise what goes on, do you, behind the scenes? No. <laughs> it was an absolute eye-opener to the quality and standard of applications. So, yes, it was a humbling experience. Oh, well, you won uh, the Innovation Award this week for your work with WISH, which is the Women Working Social Housing. Tell us about it, what it does and what its purpose is. Okay, well, so WISH is really about creating a fun networking community of encouragement and support for women working in the social housing sector. So it means lots of different things to lots of different people. You can go onto our website and that gives sort of loads of the background information on which and how it evolved. So I suppose my tuppence worth um, from my role as as chair of Wish for the Northeast, um, it's about really empowering women to be everything they want to be now and also in the future. And it's really done through generosity and kindness and support across um, a network of wonderful women and organisations. I think my observation around WISH is that it's not the same experience for one member to another. Some women work for really supportive employers, sort of like 100% committed to their female workforce and positive health and well-being, but other women don't. So we're there for, for all women working in the sector, really, um, helping them where they're at on their, on their career journey, on their personal journey to really thrive. And, and you talked about employers um, and that's you also work with them too, don't you, to help them understand what women need in their careers? Yes, so a big focus is on working with employers. So we're not about um, lobbying employers to change. That's not really our um place in the equality landscape but there's lots of fantastic organizations that do that um we see our role as one to work um alongside employers as partners um so employers become members of wish and we work with them to really encourage um them to allow their women working in their organizations and empower the women in their organizations to um create a network and to thrive and to 
to, to, to develop. And then where we do have sort of good practice and things to celebrate, we share that with them and we encourage them. But it really is about collaboration for, for us. And that's what you said at the start, that, that partnership thing. Is that the thing, is that whole, I love the, it's an African proverb, isn't it? That, you know, on your own, you can go fast, but together you can go far. And I think that that's where partnership and collaboration comes in. So, so tell us about the wish list and why you felt compelled to launch this. So back in the dark, dreary days of a winter 2020, if you can remember those, when we were sort of in that mull of this pandemic and not quite sure what was going to come out of it, um, we really reflected as wish and said, what is our, what's our role in this? What can we make of this? And we decided that um, the best thing we could do was to, would be to survey our members and ask them in a post-pandemic world, what is it that you want from your employers? And one of um, our male allies jokingly said to me, look, if you can tell me what women want and bottle it, you'll be a really rich woman. <laughs> but you know what? I, I feel really rich cause, because what we, what we learned from that survey didn't really surprise us. You know, it's not changed what women want um, for, for hundreds of years, really. But I think the difference that was coming through from the survey is that we're really on a dawn of finally being able to demand these things from the workplace. The workplaces um, seem to have really have, have caught, caught up a bit. So we said, OK, well, let's bottle that. Let's um, put that into a wish list of what women want working in social housing. And let's challenge um, our social housing sector partners and the employers themselves to pledge their support to it and actually commit to uh, delivering on it. And we hear all the time, don't we, that, you know, organisations want to be really good at diversity and inclusion and they want to improve. But actually, the reality is that they don't often know how. It's really difficult to know how to do that. So we decided that we were going to produce this wish list and say, look, this is what women are saying that they want you to deliver on. So it's things like flexibility, inclusion. They want to be in the room when decisions are being made. They want to have an ally in the room and be represented and hear their voice um, within those decisions. They want to be trusted, to be able to, to juggle everything that, you know, women so often juggle so well and not sort of be micromanaged. So we really um, laid that out in the wish list and said, you know, come on, sector, are you up? Are you up for this? Um, put, and put it out there to the to the sector. And um, what have the, has the response been like from your employers? You know, when we sent um, when we sent the, the pledge out to employers, I had I had a bit of a wobble. <laughs> so I think for the for the board, I think, you know, I was putting on this really sort of confident face like, yes, this is going to land really well. And I remember sending the email and just shutting my laptop and thinking, I can't I can't stand to see what they're going to say. It's going to be awful. This is going to be a car crash. <laughs> you know, you have that imposter syndrome. I thought, oh, they're going to say, what, who does she think she is? Um, but you know what? I was so surprised. Within, within days, uh, chief executives and chairs were coming back to me and saying, absolutely, we pledge to this. This is right on message with what we want to be doing. Some of them didn't, we'll not talk about them, but the, but the majority did come back and said, and say, yes, you know what, we are, we are in. And I think the willingness of um, employees in the region to really get on board with it has, has given us that, that boost to really go on and, um, 
and to promote it, but to really give us that energy behind um, behind building upon it uh, moving forward. And you talk about your champions of change. You know, we here at Northern Power Women, we're always passionate about, you know, this is all genders. You know, we need our allies, our advocates. And I know that, you know, the, the, the collaboration that you've been driving, that male allies are, are really key, aren't they? It is indeed. And I think for me, I stress this all the time, but men are not just the problem it's not just men and I think you know we create an us and them if we talk about it in that way um we've got women in social housing who you know over the years have maybe done quite a bit of damage around inclusivity inclusivity and diversity for their female sisters so it's both men and women who need to to step up and be the change and lead that change and yes we've got male allies um from boardrooms, chief executives, all the way through um, organisations in the sector who are um, championing our cause whenever they're in, whenever they're in meetings, you know, whenever I email them and I say, oh, can we have your support for this? Or could you do this blog? Could you put out this piece? Could you endorse this? They're absolutely responsive. Um, and it's, it's making a real difference because, you know, I think if you see someone like you, um, who's speaking about inclusivity and diversity and really championing women, then I think it encourages you to say, actually, I can do that too and I should be doing that too. So that's made a big difference, especially in social housing where we have real divides across the workforce between men work in certain surfaces and certain surface areas and women work in others. So we've really needed that male allyship to come forward and, and, and really break through into those sort of male-dominated service areas within our organisations. So one of the housing associations, Carbon Homes, has said that WISH helps with the cultural transformation needed uh, to support women in their careers. Give me some of the examples of that transformation, because I think that's one of the things we always love, and we'll have information in the show notes about WISH. You know, I think sometimes it's that, what we can learn from others, isn't it? Is that that key, you know, some of that key things. So tell us what uh, some of those examples. Gosh, how long have you got? Uh, to be honest, we've seen what cultural transformation is by looking at the way ways organisations have overcome the barriers. And I think Carbon are definitely a really good example of that, although, you know, they would say themselves they're on a journey and they're quite humble about that. Um, I think a common theme through through the cultural transformation work that we've, we've seen across the region is it's really a hearts and minds piece. So I don't think it's a case of saying, oh, well, just copy this example and it'll work for you. I, th- I think, you know, you have to get hearts and minds um, on, on board for it to really be successful. And then also around skills, so organisations really investing in people's um, skills and aptitude when it comes to, to to how they engage with people who are maybe different from themselves. So it's not a policy or a process thing, I suppose, is, is, is what I'm saying from the examples that we've seen. Um, in terms of some really good examples, um, to get a bit specific from it, I think that change from the top has been has been really key. So, um, you know, if leadership aren't championing inclusion and respect in how they communicate and make decisions, then there's going to be no surprises when, you know, cultural transformation projects fail. I also don't like it when they're a project. It should be something that's, you know, embedded in the organisation. 
Um, and then also, I think, you know, carbon's a great example of, of this, but that real commitment to empathy and understanding. So not being um, sort of, I'm going to use the word arrogant. <laughs> um, it's quite a strong word, but I think it's the right word. I don't, in not being arrogant and saying, actually, we're going to, um, we know what the problem is and we're going to fix it. But I think being humble enough to say, actually, we know that there's a problem, but we don't know how to fix it. And therefore, we need to get around the table with um, our employees, with our tenants, with our customers and really understand their situation, you know, walk a mile in their shoes, um, spend a day with them, see, you know, what their challenges are. And from that, then that understanding comes um, and then basing whatever cultural transformation project you want to embark upon, um, upon that foundation of understanding. Uh, and like you said, it's I, I agree, it's not just about, it, oh, just do this. It's not just a one-off intervention, is it? It's got to be totally embedded because there's so many different barriers out there and not every organisation is the same, you know. So of those big, massive mammoth challenges, how, how do you approach those? I think with sheer grit and determination, I mean, you'll know that yourself, Simone, from the work that you do. But, like, you know, it's not easy, is it, every day to get up and feel like, sometimes you feel like you're on a battlefield um, and you just have to be doggedly determined. Um, but then I think, you know, it is really hard but then I'll have these light bulb moments where I think, actually, you know what? It is quite easy because it's a conscious choice. The organisations that I see doing this really well and the individuals who have um, sort of led successful change within their organisations, they have this common theme that they're the ones who've just said, actually, maybe I was thinking in the wrong way about things. Maybe I had that unconscious bias and now I'm conscious of it. I'm making a conscious choice to get it right and um, to challenge myself. So I think, you know, when I've spoken to leaders and I think leaders are key in this, you know, we work at a grassroots level with our network, but ultimately if we're going to see this fundamental change across the sector, it has to come from from the leaders, from the chief execs, from the boards. And, you know, when I've spoken to the really good champions of change uh, for this, they've admitted themselves that, at some point in their career, equality and inclusion and diversity and all of that was just a tick box. It was just another thing, another strategy to develop, another thing to say that they were doing something about, you know, gender pay gap or whatever. But the leaders who actually um, have had that light bulb moment have said, actually, this is a conscious choice here that this is going to underpin everything we do in the organisation and we're going to be aware of it and every decision that we're making. I think they're the ones who um, seem to overcome these barriers a bit more smoothly and without such resistance. Um, whereas I think if you make it sort of a piecemeal thing and another strategy that just sits there, it becomes a big challenge. Um, because it's not embedded in everything that you that, that you do. And you are a woman with purpose, you know, and, and, and a huge success of why Wish has been so successful is is you and your drive and your own purpose. But, you know, I, I, we, we feel that here, you know, uh, what's the point in doing things if it's not going to be on purpose? So what advice would you give to um, people listening today who would like to sort of point their careers in that purpose-driven direction? Great question. Um, you know, I think it sounds really obvious, but I think the most important thing to do is to, to define what your purpose is. You know, I see so many women who are miserable in roles 
or organisations and they're sort of desperate for satisfaction and recognition but they haven't quite worked out what it is that brings them sort of joy. You know, we're not all going to be CEOs. Um, We're not all going to be you. We're not all going to be me. Um, You know, you've got to work out what is it that actually will get you out of bed every morning with that same grit and determination and, 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 and drive. And then, you know, when, once you've sort of caught on that, what is your thing? What is your joy? Surround yourself with people who are going to be your champions, who are going to support you and encourage you. And, um, you know, I think another thing that's really important for, for, for me, you know, when I think about women in social housing is um, don't feel like you have to justify yourself to other people and never feel guilty for the decisions you're making if they're decisions that are driven by that purpose. So I was speaking to a colleague in the sector the other day and she was explaining to me how she was really on that journey to the the corporate executive suite and you know, she had a, a roadmap planned out and she really thought she knew what her purpose was. And then um, she joyfully fell pregnant uh, with her daughter unexpectedly. And um, she took the decision to uh, to go back to middle management so that she wouldn't have so much time in the office and she could be more, spend more time being a mum. And that was her purpose. And I felt a bit disheartened because I thought, gosh, it feels like she's justifying her decision to me. And I just said to her, that's an absolutely amazing thing that you've done there. That's bringing you joy. Don't let anybody make you feel guilty for that. So I think that would be my big advice, you know, in finding your purpose, find your joy. Because there is no one straight line, is there is not one straight path. And finally, Crystal, what is next for WISH? Oh, well, we are absolutely determined to maximise our impact in 2023. So we've got one big ticket item coming up next year, which is we're going to do a festival called Wish Fest next summer. And we're hoping that Northern Power Women might come and partner with us, actually. So the idea is that we're going to bring people together to celebrate all the great work that is happening in supporting women in their careers and some, provide some um, Love it. <laughs> amazing opportunities and tools for women to do this themselves. So it's going to be a real collaborative and celebratory event next summer. So we're all focused on that at the moment. So watch this space. Love it, Wish Fest. And as I said, we'll put details in the show notes. Crystal, it's been brilliant to chat with you absolutely about purpose, about champions for chains, about collaboration. You make, It's like a Northern Power Women mission statement. So thank you so much for joining us today. Um, and thank you so much for all of you for listening in. Uh, please do follow us on all our social medias at North Power Women on Twitter and Northern Power Women on all the others and stay up to date with all of our power up sessions and building our profile and your profiles out on the power platform. Please join us next Monday and I'll be joined by another wonderful role model from the Northern Power Women community. I'm Simone Roche and you've been listening to the Northern Power Women podcast, a What Goes on Media production. Oh, yeah.